Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Mom? Luke! Question. Oh, what? It's November now. I'm curious, in November of 1989, so 30 years ago right now. Oh, Jiminy Cricket, okay. What were you thankful for? You. <sighs> Give me your real answer. Oh my gosh, how can I remember that? Do you know how many years ago that was? It was 30 years ago. <laughs> it was. That's sort of like the premise of the show. Well, always my family. I had a good job, made a little money, and uh, things were going really well. What are you thankful for today? Oh, you. <sighs> there we go. Well, Mom, I'm thankful for you always being willing to do these calls. I love you. I'm going to start the show now. Okay. Hope we get to see you Thanksgiving. All right. Bye, Mom. Love you. Bye-bye. From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Bronner. This is Season 1, Episode 36, Brand New Losers. Today, we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, November 4th, 1989. Hello, friends, and welcome to our official first episode to be recorded in the brand new Milieu Media Group headquarters. I couldn't be more excited to be mostly moved into a new office and studio for this little podcast company I'm building. Our first dedicated office and studio, in fact. As you know, if you've spent any time listening to this or any of the 10 podcasts on the network, I love, love, love conceiving, creating, and crafting these shows week in and week out, and I'm working my hardest to make a career of it. Several careers, in fact. I'm working now on building up a team of folks to help me over the course of the next year to really leverage this new space to move the company forward. If you've ever tried entrepreneurship, then you know. It's really tough. That's part of what I love about this show, though. I think of 30 Pop as sort of a pressure relief valve in my life, where I can just look back, remember, and laugh at good times past. Hopefully it can be the same for you. So let's dive in. 30 years ago this past week, the number one album in the country for the second of four consecutive weeks was Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814, which at this point feels like it's been on the charts for months with as much as we've discussed it on this show. That's not a complaint though, just an observation, as I genuinely did and do love this album. I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. In fact, I dare say the hugest. So to see another Jackson rise out from under the enormous shadow cast by his talent and celebrity was as impressive as it was surprising. But she did it, unlike any of her siblings. Janet was a bona fide star in her own right, and this album, more than anything she'd done previously, made that evident to all. As I've mentioned on the show already, this album spawned a record-setting seven top five singles on the Billboard charts. Which is even more impressive when you consider there were only eight singles total. I mean... Eight singles is a lot, but for seven of the eight to break the top five? Incredible. And as for sales, this album was certified gold in Switzerland, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Japan, and Hong Kong, platinum in Canada and the UK, 
double platinum in Australia, and six times platinum in the U.S., selling over 12 million copies worldwide. Those sort of numbers are especially unheard of today in our world of streaming audio and pirated MP3s, but they were also pretty rare back then. Surprisingly, though, while the album was still selling like crazy, Janet lost the number one spot on the Billboard Singles Chart this week after four weeks on top to Swedish soft rock duo Roxette and their song, Listen to Your Heart. We've talked about Roxette on the show before, specifically the music video for their song, The Look, back on episode 8, T-Bones and Melon Farmers. And we kind of made fun of them a bit because the video and lyrics for that song are so completely bizarre. But make no mistake, this band was really good. And I legitimately love this song specifically. It's got everything you could want from an 80s pop tune. A hooky melody, sweet synths, a melodramatic electric guitar solo that leads into an equally over-the-top bridge section that crescendos into a wailing key change. And just when you think the song is over, more drama. It may sound like I'm making fun of them again, but nope, I love it. I put a link to the music video in the show notes if you want to check it out and enjoy it along with me. You can also hear it as the first song on this week's 30 Pop Mixtape playlist on Spotify and Apple Music, which you can also subscribe to by clicking their respective links in the show notes. I update those lists every week with the top 40 songs on the Billboard charts 30 years ago. The number one film in the country for the fourth straight week, which we're going to discuss on next week's episode, was Kirstie Alley, Bruce Willis, and John Travolta's Look Who's Talking. There were no other really notable releases this week in either movies or music, but there was some excitement in the sports world. Two new NBA franchises made their wildly anticlimactic debuts this week in 1989. The Minnesota Timberwolves on November 3rd and the Orlando Magic on November 4th. I hopped on a call this week with my lifelong best friend and one of the biggest basketball fans and best basketball players I've ever known, Nathan Schartz, to talk about it. Nathan Schartz, welcome back to 30 Pop. Well, thank you very much for having me, man. I'm always excited to talk. You know, you were the only person that I think actually wanted this week. When I started planning out the year, you were the one person who signed up. And and the reason is because 30 years ago this week was the NBA debut of both the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Orlando Magic. Wow. Two franchises that really haven't done too much with them. That's true. (laughs) Uh, hey, they, they had some great uniforms. They, they made a big splash with their uniforms early on. It's true, man, and that's what you really need is just to bring in money for your city. So the Timberwolves' first NBA game, November 3rd, against the Seattle Supersonics, they lost 106-94. to And the Orlando Magic lost their first game to the Nets, 111-106. to So they didn't make much of a splash in their debuts. No, it took them a couple years. I think Orlando... They kind of sucked for the first three or four years. Then they were gifted Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille and Penny, man. And Penny, that's right. Anthony Hardaway. And they immediately turned around because I think they made the final Shaq's rookie year or his second year. The Timberwolves, they didn't do too much outside of having like one guy in a dunk contest in the 90s. Yeah, it's true. Man, okay, so we had just had an expansion in the NBA the year before with like it was the Hornets and who else was it the year before? Miami Heat. The Miami Heat, yeah. But the way this worked, I was reading about it. This happened in June of 89 and I just totally missed it on the show. But like basically they had their pick of the league. Teams could protect eight players, but then each team got to just pick a team of the leftovers. And so it's interesting though because their rosters were still not 
great. I think Rick Mahorn was the biggest name they got picked up. Rick Mahorn and Scott Skiles, who are not really big names at all. But Do you remember this? Oh, absolutely. They call it an expansion draft. And basically, depending on how you want to look at it, it does kind of water down the talent pool. So, yeah, no, it's weird that they could just pick every team. You know, the lower end of their roster, you could just pick from those guys. I didn't know Rick Mahorn was a big name. Yeah, Rick Mahorn from the Pistons, he was the second pick in the expansion draft. Reggie Theus was another kind of big name. I mean, he's like a name I at least recognize, but like, I mean, they were basically nobodies. Like, they weren't setting these teams up for success at all. Right. Outside of being a bad team for a few years, but you will accumulate some pretty decent draft picks, and that's kind of what, you know, how Shaquille O'Neal turned up in Orlando. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, that was a fun time in the NBA. I was a huge fan of the NBA in those early 90s, even when Jordan was just dominating. Yeah, and we've talked before about your extensive wardrobe of Chicago Bulls paraphernalia. You had the money to get all the cool stuff. You had, I think you had a, a, a Bulls starter jacket, if I'm not mistaken. Don't tell me short. I had the full suit. <laughs> I had a pantsuit that was, I think it was made out of silk, but it had the, the, dunk, you know, the Jordan logo. Oh, was it like a warm-up? Was it like a warm-up suit? Yes, they were breakaways. So I'd take them to school. You know, in the fall, you, you wear your full pants to school and you rip them off the front, you know, you make it, make it seem of it. <laughs> I was the real deal, dude. Not to mention every Jordans from about 89 to about 96. Yeah, oh, I remember you having the ones that had like the fishnet looking, the plasticky net stuff on the side. I remember being so jealous of you for those shoes. Yeah, I was a total front-running child. I'd, Looking back, it's embarrassing now because you just grab onto the most successful team and the coolest player. That's exactly what I did. So, Well, it's what you and everybody did. It is what it is. Let me just ask you this. If you could find the exact same tearaway warm-ups today, would you still sport them? Yes, that answer is yes. They're probably just to bed, uh, just wearing them in the house. <laughs> Not do I'd go out like on a, on a Saturday but I would definitely rock them around the house. I'd trust that you would, and you would tear them off, I have to assume. Oh, totally. Totally. Dude, my wife would know it's time when the, when the tearaways come off. It's time to get them. <laughs> she would know it's time. <laughs> do you own tearaways right now? I do not. Man, it's funny that there was a time in our lives that we had tearaway pants. And I didn't even stop there. I think I had a pair of Chicago Bulls boxers, you know, because Jordan started the trend of kind of wearing your pants a little bit baggier. And so they yeah. came out with some flight boxers or some Nike Jordan boxers, and I bought those, and they literally hung down to my shins. They made zero, zero sense in terms of practicality of wearing underwear. But shit, if I didn't, you know, I think I had two pairs. I mean, would you wear those today? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, I would. I believe you. I believe you when you say that. <laughs> Yeah. Man, Nathan, always a joy to have you on. Looking forward to have you back on here in just a few weeks. Thanks so much for being on the show. I can't wait. Thank you for having me, Luke. It's always fun being on the show, man. Thanks. We'll see you. Bye, buddy. I get that 99% of the people listening to this show don't know Nathan, but even still, don't you just love that guy? Nathan turned 10 years old 30 years ago this coming week, just a week before me, and I couldn't be more thankful to have had him as a friend and constant source of laughter in my life for literally all of those years. No one has ever gotten me in more trouble than him. In fact, the first time I was ever in police custody, it was with Nathan. 
If you want to hear that story, I'll be sharing it later this week over on Patreon, where you can become a member of Milieu Media Group for as little as $1 a month and receive all kinds of behind-the-scenes bonus content from this and the other podcasts I produce, as well as the deep satisfaction of knowing you're helping me get one step closer to my dream of producing these shows full-time. There's also a link for that in the show notes for this episode. Huge thanks to Nathan for being a part of this episode, and huge thanks as always to you for listening, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. Every single one of those things helps me to get this show in front of new listeners, so by all means, keep it up. I'll be back next week with episode 37. Until then, I don't know where you're going, and I don't know why, but listen to your heart before you tell him goodbye. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Milieu Media Group, visit milieumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com. 